0: you're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and You know, those things are,
1: are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients.
2: help with them in our head, but they're probably not the questions that you want answered, so. Yeah, you know, writing them down for us is important because of our team over.
0: Let's get started. Welcome to The Bloodline with LLF. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lizette. Thank you so much for joining us
1: on this episode. Today, we will be joined by Dr. Marnie Amphalam, a clinical psychologist who specializes in working with patients and caregivers who are adjusting to cancer and other health related challenges and seeking to build their coping skills and resilience. She also consults with hospitals, nonprofit organizations, and corporations, conducting research on the many aspects of the patient and caregiver experience of cancer. Additionally, she writes on these and other patient-focused topics in numerous publications shared on her website at www.SmartHealthPsych.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Amsalam.
2: Thank you both so much for inviting me. Of course. I'm happy to be here.
1: Of course. Now, regardless of the type of cancer, to hear the words, you have cancer is something that rattles your core, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so in your line of work, you work with so many people who have heard those words and many being newly diagnosed. When someone comes to you seeking that type of support as a newly diagnosed patient, what is that interaction like or what is that conversation like?
2: Well, I mean, certainly the feeling, there's so many emotions that can go through one as they hear those words and you might, you know, some people react with that very much like a, a fight or flight type of reaction where they, you know, kind of freeze. They, you know, want to flee. That sometimes does happen, but it, you know, the sense of overwhelm can be something extremely overpowering. And when you hear the words cancer, Anything that might happen or be communicated subsequently in that conversation with the doctor might not even be heard or processed. So it's simply sometimes when, you know, when I meet with somebody right after they've been diagnosed, they're still getting over that initial shock and what, of course, cancer might mean to them right? Because cancer, of course, encompasses so many different things, and cancer over time has become much more of a chronic condition. So the meaning of cancer is something that usually we try to understand for each individual.
1: Right. I know from my own personal experience, my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. It was something where it's such a huge new world where it was something we never spoke about, and now we had to know everything about, you know?
2: Absolutely. So it might mean having to learn something completely from scratch, or there might be a lot of family familiarity with a particular type of cancer or just cancer in general. Sometimes, you know, when people are told they have cancer, immediately they go back to when, say, their grandparent had cancer or a parent or another loved one. So that, you know, so it takes them back to that point in time. But generally speaking, there's there's an, an vast amount of information that people feel like they want to just consume. And other people, of course, don't want to consume it. They'd they'd rather just kind of be told the bare minimum of what they need to know.
0: Right. I know that my parents didn't want to know much when they were both diagnosed with different types of cancers. Mm -hmm. And they actually didn't want to tell me much. So I don't know if it's because they're from the older generation, where they didn't ask as many questions?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of individual differences as far as how people desire information. So some people are very much like, I'm going to read everything published on this particular type of treatment for this particular diagnosis that I have. and you know, really want to consume everything out there, whereas other people find it overwhelming to have more information than what is actually provided to them. So there's individual differences, but certainly there can be generational differences in terms of how various things are communicated and just comfort level around communication, as well as psychological health in general, which I know is something that we'll be, you know, we'll be discussing.
0: Right. And there's no like right or wrong. Um, everybody is an individual, and it's okay to to feel one way or the other. So there's yeah, really no right or correct. wrong, right?
2: Right. It is something where it's uh, the ideal is to find the right match between the individual and the you know the how the information is presented for them. So if someone is feeling overwhelmed and if you're with a family member and they're receiving a diagnosis, the ideal is to understand what their needs are at that moment. It might be that telling them so much more, oh, I read this, or you should talk to this person might be more than they can handle at that given point. So trying to get in tune with what each person's needs are and trying to match it to the situation needs can change over time
1: when you speak about cancer, you kind of think about the people that you may know with cancer or kind of your own knowledge of cancer. But I know that for myself, when we spoke with you know doctors in regards to my grandmother's care, what seemed to be missing from the conversation was the psychological impact of a, of a cancer diagnosis and implications in care and prognosis. And we met with a lot of specialists and many doctors, and mm-hmm. it was something that was never brought up, honestly. So we know that's a huge part. Um, we on one of our episodes, we Absolutely. sat with Dr. Liz Harvey, who worked closely with Dr. Jimmy Holland, and she spoke about the history of psycho oncology. And she said it's something where cancer was at one point was almost like a taboo. Or you didn't really want to talk about it, and you didn't know how to talk about it. And now it's transformed into this world of actually acknowledging that it has huge implications on the entire body, including mental yes, and emotional you've health. Hit on something huge.
2: Right. Well, first, I'd like to express a, you know, a huge amount of gratitude towards those pioneers in the field that have really focused that attention where it really, you know, this is part of treating the whole patient is treating their emotional needs and when someone, you know, as as we've talked about, when somebody hears the word cancer, it might mean something very different from one person, you know, to somebody else. Certainly for many, and traditionally, cancer had been considered to be like a death sentence. And that is not necessarily the case right now, um, certainly. And understanding how the impact of hearing those words can affect an individual but even more than that as they progress through treatment the meaning of how a particular treatment is affecting them and how you know well because this person's not working how this is affecting their sense of self as they're progressing through of course how they're feeling about you know reflecting on their lives you know, more globally and the job, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's the time that I really step back from this job that I can't stand or, you know, something like that. So it's really cancer never affects anybody in a vacuum. There's, of course, lots of other things going on in their lives. So the meaning of how the cancer is, you know, when it hits them, you know, is, this, is it hitting them? You know, at a time when they're about to start a family, and this is huge. This is not anything that they had expected. Is it hitting them at a time when they've experienced some other loss, and this is just more emotional burden than they had ever, you know, anticipated?
1: So there's research that I've read that shows a difference in how mental health is affected in younger patients versus elderly patients. Is this something that you've noticed in your own practice? And does the same go for men and women? So there's,
2: you know, generally speaking, there's so many things that can impact how a diagnosis is perceived. Some of those things include where people are in life. This is getting them at a time when they're just about to start a family, but now there's concerns about future fertility right? This could just be the most devastating blow ever, even if they're told, oh, you're going to be fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. But the idea that their future, even though they'll quote be fine, will may not be how they had envisioned it is a huge thing. There are no rules that okay, it'll affect this, you know, a person at this age or this gender more so than others. It is also affected by how a person generally copes or if they have a pre-existing mental health history, that might impact how they're adjusting to their diagnosis. So there truly are no rules about how it can affect a person, but certainly I think there's a the idea that if somebody's had a hard time in the past, it is a good idea to check in with themselves and their mental health as they are going through treatment because this can just be another trigger. Generally speaking, the rate of depression and anxiety amongst people with cancer, newly diagnosed or otherwise, is higher than the general population. No surprise, right? There's a lot of adjustment. So, But getting back to what you had asked me a short while ago is that the attention to the emotional experience and the mental health experience of those that are undergoing cancer treatment, that, that are newly diagnosed, and frankly, those who are post-treatment as well, is something that we are increasingly aware of, and the medical community is fortunately understanding that a lot more. You know, I, and I don't know how long ago it was that, you know, that you had gone through this experience with your family where you know the physicians were not inquiring about emotional health? Yeah
0: that was around 2014, yeah. 2015 yeah. That was not very long ago right? Yeah. Who really should address your emotional health because a lot of times you don't have time with your 15 minute appointment with your oncologist to address it or for him or her to bring it up. You know not everybody has a treatment team that Includes a social worker or a nurse. Is there somebody who should address this? I know that also, I know we're talking about younger patients and older patients, and that younger patients, it's not as taboo, I don't think, hopefully now, to talk about your mental and emotional health as it was years before. Correct. So hopefully, you know, the younger generation is seeking more help or more open to more help.
2: Right? No, so there's several very important things that you have asked that I want to touch on. First is to highlight the importance of making sure that these concerns are addressed. So, if your treatment team or your loved one's treatment team does not appear to be inquiring about adjust, you know, emotional adjustment, mental health, or uh, you know, other concerns, right, or a, a side of, you know, fear of a side effect, right, can be huge. If you're told that you might not. You know, you might be impotent from treatment or you're gonna lose your hair, right? Very common side effects, certainly from chemotherapy. That can mean something very different from one person to the next, but that one thing might be, you know, really convey so much of, of who that person is and to themselves, you know, a huge part of their identity. And if that concern is not identified and addressed, then that uh, absolutely can have a huge negative effect. So who could address this? And it is so hard, right? You're trying to find out the, and when you're meeting with your medical team, the important things that you need to know about treatment or getting assistance in making decisions that you might have to be um, confronted with. And these other things might be seen as secondary. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll address these concerns. Right. You know, these, these are secondary. So raising them as a question yourself is always a good step. And if your provider is located in, you know, a more integrative system where there are behavioral health providers affiliated with the system, that is a phenomenal thing. Typically, those that are working in oncology now you know, nowadays are very well aware of the adjustments, general, you know, the general adjustment patterns that those that are newly diagnosed or that that are going through treatment might be facing. So they hopefully will have a strong referral network. Or if you're in a system that has support programs built in, they will hopefully refer to those support programs. I cannot say enough good things about cancer support groups. There typically are, you know, most, most medical centers do offer some sort of supportive Programming, um, whether it's more educational type programming, where you can come and ask questions and connect with others that are in similar places medically, that can be huge. But of course, you know, making connections with people who. Um, As I hear um, from almost everybody that that goes through it who get it, and I'm using air quotes here, right? Having that shared experience, you might see that person on the street before knowing, you know, having met them in support group and think you might not really have anything in common with that person, but you really find that you do. So a lot of people really do find a huge amount of benefit from participating in the group, just trying it out even. Even folks who have just kind of stopped in on a group but you know haven't made it a regular thing really do find benefit from having taken advantage of it. This is a huge thing and recognizing that need in yourself to address that this is a huge thing can be such a huge part of your healing process as you're going through cancer. So in addition to group support, individual support. So if you've had a therapist in the past that has you know, been a, a strong person and that might be something to pursue again or finding somebody who is a little more specialized in you know, psychosocial oncology in that field and understands some of the changes that are going, you know, that might be going on in your life right now because of your cancer diagnosis. So there are a lot of support options out there locally. In addition to in-person support groups, there's certainly a lot of online options now, right? I think that, you know, having a podcast addressing this is a really good example. The internet has a lot of supportive care options. The internet can be great in connecting people from you know all over or who might not be physically able or just logistically able right if people aren't like live 3 hours apart from each other to connect that way but of course i say that with it with a huge caveat the internet can also be a big you know there's a lot out there so understanding what you're looking at when you are you know if you're joining a forum keeping in mind that everything you're reading needs to be interpreted with a bit of a grain of salt right depending on sure. on the source so a, a good place to go if you're looking for, you know, looking for quality information or programming would be, you know, exactly like you guys, like a, a patient support organization's website, a hospital, you know, oncology hospitals' websites, American Cancer Society, National Cancer Institute, organizations and agencies such as those can be wonderful first places to look.
0: Sure, and I know that we have in-person support groups as well as online support groups mm-hmm. that are that are truly moderated um, by an oncology social worker. So it's a very supportive atmosphere. And what you said is what a lot of our participants say, that they like to be around others who, who get it, who understand, right. who have been there, because they're coming from a different place. They're not just coming from... You know, somewhere else trying to understand what you're going through, they actually have been through the journey. Everybody's journey is different, but they have been through the journey through that cancer diagnosis. And even the caregivers, uh, we have caregiver chats too, that caregivers feel that I'm talking to another caregiver so they understand.
2: I think caregiving can be one of the you know most isolating experiences. Caregivers are going through this as well, right? Not only are they there to support the you know the, their loved one who is going through the actual treatment, who is you know chances are very knocked out by their treatment. You know they're they're actually providing care, you know, giving rides and attending appointments. But they're going through their own emotional journey, too, and it can be it can be isolating, especially if they're trying to balance the caregiving with their jobs, their other responsibilities in life. So it is it can be really isolating when, you know, if, if they're not also forming those connections or taking the time out to practice some sort of self-care or to address their own emotional adjustment as well.
1: Absolutely. For anybody listening who wants to see the listing of all of our support resources, uh, please visit www.lls.org forward slash support. And that will have a listing of chats that Lizette mentioned, as well as our our newest resources that are online and are able to be downloaded for free if you choose to select the publications that we offer as well. So for those listening, Dr. Amselm, who are saying, you know, because I mean, to be honest, to see a therapist or a psychologist That's expensive. And cancer treatment is also very expensive. And so for those listening who understand that their mental health is important and is, you know, is being affected, what are ways that they can cope with their diagnosis if they're not able to go in and see a psychologist to get that type of treatment?
2: I mean, you've hit the nail on the head, right? Regardless of whatever your financial situation was prior to the diagnosis of cancer, you're right now paying a lot of medical bills or you will be shortly paying a lot of medical bills and take you know seeing a therapist might be seen as either a bit frivolous or frankly not at all affordable or you know not at all something that is realistic so but that said if you have you know if your health insurance has strong behavioral health benefits or you've met your out-of-pocket deductible because of the cancer treatment it might actually not be so unaffordable. Number one, it might be something where you're paying a copay or you're able to receive therapy at you know a, at a very low or non-existent cost. But a lot of the programs that you offer that you know that other organizations or hospitals offer are underwritten perhaps by grants and are free because we know that. This is a real concern and this is a service. Everybody that I work with very much feels that this is a such a useful part of their, their cancer journey is taking that time out for self-care um, to explore whatever their adjustment, you know, to help process their adjustment and experience. And this is something that has truly helped them come through this, come through this well. So, they would very much advocate for it. So, if there are options for affordable care, and there probably are, then absolutely explore it and take advantage of the free community resources that are out there because cost is a huge aspect of cancer care, you know, the affordability of it and the impact that it has on a household, but it should not ideally be a barrier to receiving the care that you need.
1: That's such a great point because like you said, I think a lot of times when you're kind of thrusted into this new world of having this cancer diagnosis, you think about the treatment first and foremost, because you wanna you, you wanna get you wanna you wanna get cured. You wanna make sure that you're you're actively doing something that, you know, is in direct relation to the cancer. So I think a lot of times by the patients themselves, their mental health is probably not seen as priority. But to know that it's something that can be addressed and Whether it's coverage to a point, you know, depending on on the type of insurance, the help is there.
2: Right. I mean, we, in a way, sometimes adopt that model that the medical profession does and has traditionally done as well, which is, first, let's get the cancer out of you, then we'll worry about all this other stuff. Um, And it's the idea that that we're not in isolation. Our our emotional health is not in isolation of our physical health. They, They are intertwined, and of course... You know, a lot of the side effects that go along with uh, many cancer treatments are, are great examples. If we're in a negative emotional state and we're experiencing pain, for example, or fatigue, we're going to experience it that much more negatively than if we were in a positive, you know, more positive state. Right. So when we are able to increase our ability to adjust to that which we're facing and to cope with the challenges that are very real, we will be using more energy. To, we will have more energy, to, you know, to fight the cancer. Right. It'll be less negative time, you know, less time focused on those negative thoughts and the, you know, just more effort focused on just letting yourself heal. So they go hand in hand.
0: That's so true. For support for newly diagnosed, what do you feel people are looking at the most or feeling the most? Do you think that they're feeling more anxiety towards the treatment? Or do you think that people may be facing their fear of mortality for the first time? You know, the issue of death, looking at that for the first time. Yeah, there's so many things that could be swirling in their minds.
2: And I think it's a really individual response, what is going through first. and might be, you know, thinking that cancer and the, that thing that pops up in their mind is, you know, sitting bedside as their relative 10 years ago that, di- you know, was dying from cancer and that, and they envision themselves seeing it. Or it might be, you know, going back to that example of... Somebody who's thinking of their future as a parent and hearing that they need a treatment that compromises, that might compromise their fertility in the future and, you know, is thinking, you know, mourning a loss that hasn't even happened yet. So it's very individual. Of course, it also can vary by the diagnosis as well, right? Certainly there are many cancer diagnoses where they're, they're basically told, oh, this, you know, you'll, you'll be good. You'll, you know, this this is going to, you're going to be fine, you're going to have a, a healthy, normal life after this, versus those that are not, you know, do not have that type of prognosis. So it, newly diagnosed, It's it's really important to understand, you know, to be aware that there could be a whole range of emotional response, and all of that is normal. <laughs> and that, you know, that really needs to be emphasized as well that any emotional response to hearing this news is you know as normal as is, is understandable this is this has been you know this this can be this can be extremely huge it might very much get to your, your sense of self I've always you know I've lived this this life of being such a healthy active person and bam now I've now I've been told I have cancer I don't understand you know who is this this isn't me? Right, so it can very much you know vary, but usually there's some amount of overwhelm where there you know that sense of overwhelm where they are just kind of you know they, they feel like they've kind of hit a wall there, and whatever it was that has triggered that specifically can vary from person to person.
0: And how do you work through that? How do you um, assist I someone? Think, Becoming
2: aware of specifically what what is going, and it doesn't have to happen all at once. Okay, I'm 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 freaking out right now. Why we don't? But but I think you know, getting you know taking a you know step back if you can, right? It might be that you're told, okay, you need to have emergency surgery tomorrow, or you know, sometime very soon. But at some point, really, you know, reflecting a bit, and that will happen. There will be a lot of reflection that you go through during this process. But you know. Being comfortable, you know, becoming comfortable with the fact that these emotions are there and they're real and trying to make some sense of it and reaching out for help. You know, this part is huge. You know, talking to people. Now, of course, there's all sorts of dynamics that you might have in your life where you might have people that you feel very comfortable talking about things to or maybe not, and that is where the role of professionals, and or others with cancer right you know joining a group or meeting or connecting with others that similar bonds can be extremely huge but I think addressing it versus running away from it is a much better long-term strategy running away is in the end not very adaptive at all you're not really running away from it fight or flight
0: yeah sometimes flight
2: is so much easier though it is and you know what and but in the end the end you're never really running away from it right it's it's more of an instinctive right here it's it's adaptive in in a situation where you're presented with danger right it's very evolutionary like you're there's a wild animal right in front of you what are you going to do running away might be the you know a very adaptive option in that situation but not so much when you're needing to problem solve with something. Okay, you need to show up, you know, every day for radiation. It doesn't help if you're running away, right? It doesn't. Or emotionally, you know, it does not have to be that physical treatment. Emotionally and you're not really running away.
1: Dr. Amsalam, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode and speaking with us about how mental and emotional health can be impacted by a cancer diagnosis. Thank you for all that you do for your patients as well. For those listening who would like more information about Dr. Amsalem's work, please visit www.SmarthealthPsych.com. And that is www.S-M-A-R-T-H-E-A-L-T-H-P-S-Y-C-H.com. You can also visit our website, www.lls.org, for more information about possible side effects of our cancer diagnosis.
2: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me here today.
0: Thank you.